welcome to another episode of the Back Row Redskins Show. Man, we got so much to talk about, y'all. Dwayne Haskins has been released from the Washington football team. You know, we got Tyler Heineke, new starting quarterback, potentially if Alex Smith is not ready. And we got to talk about this matchup versus the Philadelphia Eagles, man. It's win and you're in. Jalen Hurts is pissed off. Chase Young is pissed off. It's going to be a fun matchup between the two. But, man, we got so much to talk about, man. I got to get right to the point and make this thing short and sweet for you guys. Let's get it. So, guys, man, let's start off with Dwayne Haskins, man. Dwayne Haskins released. You know, he was a draft pick by the Washington football team two years ago, the 15th pick of the draft. A lot of fans wanted us to trade up with the Jets. (laughs) Fans were willing to give up a first, another first the following year, or they were willing to give up uh, some third-round picks or whatever the case may be. Fans were willing to trade up to get Dwayne Haskins. And I'm glad that a lot of the fans, including myself, is not the GM for this team or who we would be so backwards right now. Um, There was a reason why Dwayne Haskins fell to 15. There was a reason why... That draft class was so weak, man. And I've said that before. Um, You got Kyler Murray, who was the only quarterback that was, like, pro-ready, in my opinion. Daniel Jones has done some good things, but he's done some bad things. But Daniel Jones has outplayed Dwayne Haskins in the NFL, minus the fumbles and the interceptions. Let's just call it what it is. Daniel Jones has had a five-touchdown game. Dwayne Haskins has not. You know, you can talk about weapons. You can talk about this and that, but... I mean, at the end of the day, Daniel Jones has been better. He's he's performed better. He's put out a better product on the field than Dwayne Haskins. But that's beside the point. The point was that fans were willing to trade up to get Dwayne Haskins. And when we drafted him, I was happy that he fell to us because we were a quarterback-needy team. We were very thirsty. Um, there was no veteran options out there that could have fit what we were trying to do. Um, so at the time when we got Dwayne Haskins at pick 15, I was excited. I was excited. When we traded up to get Montez Sweat, I was excited. People say, well, we shouldn't have traded our second-round pick. Montez Sweat is a is a stud, and Dwayne Haskins ended up being a dud, man. He just couldn't make the plays. Um, Dwayne Haskins was more of a project. I'm not saying that he will never amount to anything. I think if he works hard, he has a shot at being an NFL quarterback. Whether he's a starter or not, that's besides the point. Um, Dwayne Haskins did clear a waiver, so nobody put in a claim for him. So that's another thing. I mean, if he was so good and so ready, why was it that no team put in a claim for him? So he went claimless. Um, But I saw reports this morning that the Carolina Panthers are interested in Dwayne Haskins. So we'll see if he latches on to another team. But I think with one game left, this being week 17, and most teams getting ready for the playoffs and things of that nature, I don't see Dwayne Haskins signing with anybody right now. I think he's more so of an off-season guy uh, that gets picked up by a team. I think a team that fits him perfectly would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he can just get an opportunity to sit behind um, a uh, Ben Roethlisberger, learn how to become a professional. And I think that Dwayne has some Ben Roethlisberger in his game. That's a guy that I've compared Dwayne Haskins to. Uh, that, you know, like the like the size, um, 
they, they play similar. They play similar. Of course, Dwayne has a ways to go to be on Ben Roethlisberger's level, but a team like Pittsburgh, a team like Seattle, you know, you sit behind Russell Wilson for three, maybe four years, and then eventually you might get your shot. So it's not the end of the world when quarterbacks don't work out with their first situation. I mean, you look at a guy like RG3. He was supposed to be out the league, right? But he continues to find a backup position job. Being a backup in the NFL is not the worst thing in the world. Number one, you're still in the NFL. Number two, you're still getting paid. Of course, you're not getting paid starters money, but you never know. Look at Ryan, look at, uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill. He was with Gase out there in Miami. He put up numbers, but he never really produced as a winner he did put up some pro bowl type years but now with the titans with a good organization with a good receiving core a good running back a good defense well titans defense have not been good this year but you guys get the point you put a quarterback in a position to win sometimes change of scenery is key you know you see Jameis winston going out to new orleans and just learning behind this guy for a year it's gonna bode well for him all right, guys, so let's talk Taylor Heineke, man. I kind of want to give you guys a Taylor Heineke backstory. You know, my boy wanted me to do uh, this segment for the pod. So, you know, we just wanted to, you know, uh, honor that request. So Taylor Heineke, man, you know, uh, he's on the Washington football team right now, but he went to college in Old Dominion. He went to Old Dominion. I'm going to get into his college career in a minute, but um, you know, when he came in, he was undrafted in 2015 and he was a member of the Minnesota Vikings, you know, so, you know, after the draft, you know, quarterbacks start to look around, cause, you know, a lot of times, man, there's a lot of quarterbacks that could be drafted sixth, maybe seventh round, but teams don't waste their draft picks on quarterbacks in the sixth and seventh round, because sometimes those guys don't make the team. So they rather use their draft picks for for, you know, other positions and then go and sign some of these undrafted guys. And sometimes, man, you know, with the league, you know, having quarterbacks who mess up or having quarterbacks who get hurt or retire or uh, mainly injuries. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks, uh, you know, messing up off the field. It's mainly injuries that cause these jobs for other guys. So uh, to continue, man, he joined the Minnesota Vikings, um, you know, uh, in, in, in uh, 2015, then later on, he joined the New England Patriots, joined the Texans, joined the Carolina Panthers. So he kind of like moved around in the league. I don't think he did anything in Minnesota or the Patriots. Uh, he did get uh, get some stats and some games off with the um, with the Texans as well as the Panthers, man. So uh, he was on the uh, Vikings, like I said, for a year. Uh, then when he went to uh, went to uh, New England in uh, 2017, he was an offseason guy slash practice squad. Didn't make the team. Obviously, he got cut, cut latched on with uh, with the Houston Texans. Um, then uh, in 2018, you know, he was with the Carolina Panthers. Then in uh, 2020, uh, he was in the XFL. For the St. Louis Battlehawks. I think that's the XFL. <laughs> so, uh, and then this season, he was able to come on the Washington football team as a practice squad member. And then now he's been elevated to the main roster because of how things went down with Dwayne Haskins. But let's highlight his college career very, very quickly. So, he played at Old Dominion University. Uh, he was on the team from 2011 to uh, 2014. Uh, Heineke became a starter for Old Dominion in 2011. Uh, that year, he led the Monarchs to a 10-3 and record. 
Okay, um, he was in the Colonial Athletic Association, so the CAA division in college. Um, but he did lose in the second round of the FCS playoffs against Georgia Southern. Um, he passed for 2,300 plus yards, 25 touchdowns, and one interception. And that's key, man. One interception, that means he's a guy that took care of the ball when he was in college. That's a big thing to do. I don't care what level of competition you're playing. If you can take care of the ball, you can take care of the ball. But obviously, you know, he has to find his way and, you know, make a, a name for himself in the NFL. So in 20, um, 2012, his second year starting for the Monarchs, he led them to 11 and two record. Um, he was losing. Um, he lost in the playoffs in the quarterfinals versus Georgia Southern. So it seems like Georgia Southern is a very, very good team, man. And that year, uh, Heineke passed uh, for a FCS record of five thousand seven hundred and sixty five thousand uh, seven uh, <laughs> five thousand. And 76 yards. So that's a lot. 5,000 uh, plus yards passing is a lot. Um, he had uh, 44 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. That's not bad. To be able to pass for 5,000 yards, you're going to have to put the ball out in the air a lot of times. And to only have 14 interceptions is not bad, meaning that he got 44 touchdowns. So the ratio there isn't bad at all. Um, he ran the ball uh, for um, 470 yards and 11 touchdowns. So... Um, he also punted the ball. So this guy right here, he does a, he does a little bit of everything. He punted the ball eleven times for four hundred and seventy five yards. Um, so man, this guy, hey, from what I'm seeing in college, man, he's a gamer. He's a gamer. Yeah, I know the competition, but still, he's still a gamer. So um, in 2012, September 22nd, this guy had a record, a Division One record. He threw for 730 yards. Five touchdowns in one game. 730 yards, five touchdowns in one game. Like I said, when you're a gamer, you're a gamer. I mean, that's an impressive stat right there. So in 2013, which is his final year as a starter, um, he didn't have a, a, such a good record this particular year. He was 8-4, and four, um, mostly against the FCS uh, opponents. Uh, that season, he passed for 4,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. Pretty good. Um, he ran the ball for 348 yards, 5 touchdowns. He also punted the ball for another additional 13 times for 539 yards. That's pretty amazing. And I also wonder, when he's punting the ball, does that make him a threat to pass the ball in punt situations? That's a weapon right there. <laughs> so overall, man, he threw for over 10,000 career yards, and he rushed for over 1,000 yards, had a successful uh, career at Old Dominion. And matter of fact, he was taking a test. Uh, I heard when uh, Washington called him up, uh, to you know, be you know, to be elevated for that game, so he had to push his exams back at Old Dominion uh, because he doesn't know if he's going to become a starter, if he's going to get minutes, if he, you know. So when you're being elevated, you know, you got to like push your exams back because when you're in a practice squad, he, he like he probably had more leeway to be doing a school and being on a practice squad. But when you're being elevated, when you're be, when when you're being called up to play with the big dogs or to be active on the active roster. That's big, and I think that, um, you know, he had to push his ed education back a little bit to go ahead and pursue this NFL thing. So, um, like I said, what I saw on Sunday, I'm very impressed. Uh, he's a gamer. He's very mobile. Um, let's see what happens uh, this week versus the Eagles. But I kind of wanted to give you guys a backstory on who uh, Taylor Heineke is 
as a player in college. So, um, hope you guys enjoy this segment. Let's talk Scott Turner for a little bit. To me, man, Scott Turner is a guy that um, he likes the short passing game. He hasn't really had running backs, even in uh, Carolina, outside of uh, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I get it. Christian McCaffrey, he even became a better runner as his career progressed. But his, but his first couple years, he wasn't really the best runner between the tackles. But his last two years, uh, he's been very, very good at running the ball between the tackles. So what I'm trying to say is it seems like Scott Turner relies on a short passing game similar to Pittsburgh uh, this year and even years before, uh, similar to Tom Brady in New England, Tom Brady now in um, Tampa Bay. They rely on that short passing game, and to them, that's kind of like a run because when you run the ball, right, you gain chunk yards or four yards, five yards, six yards, right? And then you're like on second and short and things of that nature. So using that short passing game, the screens, the passes to the running backs, that's what Scott Turner loves to do. I want to see Scott Turner evolve, you know, as a guy who runs the ball. I get it. You know, there's been times when we've had the lead and we weren't even able to run the ball well. Uh, then you can say, well, is the scheme, maybe it's the offensive line. Offensive line has continued to get better. We have shown potential to be able to run the ball. There should be no reason why Gibson gets nine carries in the first half, and then he gets one carry in the second half. There's a guy on Twitter, he's talking, he's saying, well, you know, Carolina had an eight-minute possession and Washington only had one possession in the third quarter, blah, blah. And then, you know, Haskins gets benched. Um, and then Taylor Heineke comes in in that second half. So that's the excuses for not running the ball. You still have to run the ball. So even if you're down two scores, three scores, it doesn't matter. You can't just come out there and pass the ball on every single play. Even if you're passing the ball on every single play, put Antonio Gibson in positions to get the ball in his hands. That's all us fans are saying. If you're going to run the ball, that's fine. I mean, if you're, if you're not going to run the ball, that's fine. Then pass the ball. Throw a screen pass to Gibson every now and then. Use Gibson in the passing game. Get the ball in the hands of your best playmakers. I felt that Gibson's toe was fine. He looked good out there. You know, he got good chunks. Ran the ball well. At least run the ball once every five plays. That's, that's all we're asking for. That is all we're asking for. But when you're saying, you know what, we're not going to run the ball, we're playing from behind, thank God for McKissick. McKissick was very instrumental in trying to help bring us back. You know, he was very good as the pass catching back. But when you know you're going to pass the ball, defense can play you a certain way. All I'm saying is if you can run the ball, even in a situation where you're trying to uh, hurry up and come back, you can still run the ball once every six plays. That's not asking for a lot. So for me, I want to see Scott Turner evolve more as a offensive coordinator that can scheme more runs into the playbook. I'm glad we were able to run the ball in the first half, which has been a problem. I've been preaching about that the last few podcast episodes. But this time, okay, we were running the ball well, and then we just stopped. Putting the ball in Dwayne Haskins' hand was a huge mistake, meaning that we were not able to move the ball. We were not able to pass the ball. But guess what? The running game was working, right? You keep doing what, what works until it stops working. Think about it. More run plays 
that means less opportunities for Haskins to throw the ball and less opportunities for Haskins to have turnovers. He had three of them. So, I mean, Scott Turner got to do a better job come Philadelphia, man. You know, I understand Philadelphia's pass defense is suspect, you know, but the last time we played a, a suspect pass defense in Seattle, you see, I mean, you see what happened. It didn't pan out like, like we were thinking. So, a lot of times, defenses that are not playing well, they step up. They step up to the plate, you know. Defense has been holding us, doing well. I need to see more out of Scott Turner. I understand he's working with limited weapons. I understand, okay, you got Terry, and then every, every other wide receiver is touch and go. I get that. But at the same time, he, look, even Peyton Barber had a nice run or two in that first run the ball. Run the ball more. Maybe you run the ball 60-40. Run it 60%, pass it 40%. But we're going to see what Philadelphia Eagles uh, have for us. I'm really interested to see. Uh, to me right now, it's looking like Alex Smith might not play. Uh, personally, I'd rather have Taylor Heineke in the game, being that he's healthy, he's mobile enough. Um, whether he's going to make mistakes or not, I don't know. But one thing I know was that Taylor Heineke's um, precision on these plays, uh, Taylor Heineke's uh, 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 vision and, and putting the ball to where only the receivers can get it, it was encouraging. Yes, it's a super small, super, super small sample size. But at the end of the day, those are plays that we want to see from our quarterback. All we need is the quarterback to do enough. And that's what Alex Smith has done when he's played. He's done enough. But for me, you guys know my stance. I just cannot – I just cannot – I don't want to see Alex Smith get hurt. That's my whole thing. And I don't feel right in risking his leg to have him out there for us to – have an opportunity to play in the playoffs, yes, the playoffs will be nice. It's definitely going to be something different that we have not experienced in the last five years. So, yes, playoffs is nice, but at what cost? Do we really have a chance of beating any of the teams that we have a chance of playing? You got a team like uh, the Rams. We might have a chance because they have a non-mobile quarterback. I love our defense versus non-mobile quarterbacks. Against um, against the Bucks. I like our chances. Tom Brady is a non-mobile quarterback, so I feel like we're going to get after Tom Brady a ton. Then you have uh, one of the matchups, potentially. Now, if we're playing Seattle or if we're playing uh, Arizona, that's going to be a problem. Them two quarterbacks right there, they can run. <laughs> they can run. And like I said, we struggle with mobile quarterbacks. That, that has been our, our um, Achilles heel all season. Um, so, yes, making the playoffs would be nice. Even if we lose, fans are willing to uh, uh, play the playoffs. I mean, that's, that, that is what it's all about. It's all about playing the games and being in, in a position to compete for the Super Bowl, even if your team, even 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 if you think your team is undermanned and undersized, you still want to go to playoffs. You play to win the game, like Herm Edwards have said in the past. You play to win the game. You don't play just to play it, right? So yes, we want to make the playoffs, but at the same time, I'm not willing to risk Alex Smith's leg, man. Honestly, I don't want to see Alex Smith out there. I, I've been saying it. I just don't want to see him out there. I think that Taylor Heineke probably gives us the best chance to win. I understand that the Eagles pass rush might have guys that are not available. But at the end of the day, 
I do not want to see Adam Smith out there. I'd rather see Taylor Heineke. Even if Adam Smith gives us the better chance to win, I'd rather see Taylor. I like what he brings. I understand it's a small sample size. And at the same time, I want to see Antonio Gibson be more involved. I want to see Scott Turner take his play call into the next level. I am sick and tired of watching the games and being one-dimensional. We brought in these backs that are dual backs in terms of Antonio Gibson and McKissick, guys that can run and catch. And when we're calling plays, teams don't know if we're running or passing. So I want to see Scott Turner take his game to the next level. Let's see what happens when he calls his game versus the Eagles. So, guys, the Washington football team fall to the Carolina Panthers 22-13. The game started out with a bang for the Panthers. They were able to go up 20-3 heading into halftime. Um, It was literally 20-0. And another another game where the Washington football team, you know, going to the halftime, uh, 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 with a deficit. <laughs> this was like the largest deficit um, if uh, Hopkins didn't get that field goal. But it seems like, you know, the team starts out slow. The team starts out slow um, every, just about every game, just about every game. How many games have you seen the Washington football team go into the half with the lead? How many games have you seen the Washington football team go into a half with a deficit? And, you know, these are double-digit deficits, man. And, yes, the Washington football team has one of the best defenses in the second half. But, you know what, in the first half, a lot of times it's the run game, you know. Um, it's the play calling sometimes. Sometimes it's turnovers. There have been games that Haskins has started, like the game against the Cleveland Browns, the turnovers. <laughs> turnovers killed the game, you know. And Alex Smith also, he's had turnovers. So he hasn't been so perfect. Uh, Sometimes it's the competition. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just the Washington football team beating themselves. So um, what can the football team do to rectify all these um, slow starts? It starts with trying to win that turnover battle, right? it, It starts with taking care of the ball. When you're taking care of the ball, then the next step is sustaining drives. When you're sustaining drives, that means you're getting first downs. And if you're getting first downs, that means that you're running the ball. When you're running the ball and running the ball well, that translates to sustaining drives, which translates most times to not turning over the ball. So all three things go hand in hand. So how do we sustain drives? How do we... Uh, 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 put together something in that first quarter or second quarter that will translate heading into the second half. Because if that defense has been lights out like it has been all season and we're playing with a lead, it's a whole different ballgame. That means you can say, hey, Chase, Montez, Payne, Allen, attack. That means now you can blitz. You can blitz like crazy if you wanted to when you're playing with the lead, you know, you can send four, five, six, seven on third and longs, you know, when you're playing with the lead. So, I mean, we got to see what happens uh, this <laughs> this next game versus the Eagles, but we're going to have to generate something, man. We're going to have to generate uh, some kind of rhythm. Rhythm is important. And I believe that if 
the team can run the ball with Antonio Gibson, Barber, and even McKissick and mix it in with some passes to Logan Thomas. And we don't even know if Terry is going to play this next game or not. But some of the things that I saw, you know, this last game, we look at the Sims, the Sims brothers. Cam Sims had a better game than Steven Sims. Steven Sims, man, it seems like, man, the guy can't catch. Um, he has all sorts of speed. And, and you know, that muffed punt, man, I, I just I, I just have no words. I'm to the point to where I'm like, you know what, I don't want anything to, to do with Steve Sims. Now that I'm giving up on him, it's like I felt, you know, coming into the season, he probably felt that he has arrived because he had a decent year last year, you know, especially coming uh, coming up big at the end of the year. He was able to, you know, run for touchdowns, return for touchdowns, catch touchdowns. The only thing he didn't do was pass for touchdowns. And then it seems like this year he took a step back. Yes, he had that injury, but at the same time, the games that he's been healthy and played, you know, he couldn't get open. When he's open, he's dropping tons of passes. And these are easy passes going across the middle. He just has not been able to hold the ball this year. So Steven Sims did not impress me whatsoever in this game versus the Panthers. Cam Sims did okay. He can do a lot better. Uh, there was a play that Dwayne Haskins scrambled and scrambled and scrambled and got to the uh, a corner, threw it to Cam Sims. Now, I'm not knocking Cam Sims' speed. Had he had the speed, he could have taken that to the house. But that's not who he is. Cam Sims makes plays. I think Cam Sims have done enough. Out of all the wide receivers we have right now, Cam Sims has, has done enough to have a to have a spot. He, outside of Terry McLaurin, he has a spot. He, has, he is locked for a spot. So I can't be mad at him. I can't be mad at him at all. Um, he has done enough to earn him um, um, a spot. But we'll see what happens next year. You know, I believe that the team needs two new wide receivers. We need a, a, a true number two, and we need a true number three. You know, either we get a guy in the slot, and we get a guy on the outside, or get a guy on the outside – and they get another guy that can do a little bit of everything. And these don't have to be expensive wide receivers. They don't have to be big-name guys. Of course, my number one guy that I want on the team is Allen Robinson. I think that Allen Robinson fits in perfectly with, um, with what's his name, uh, Terry McLaurin. And then maybe we can see what we have out of Antonio Gandy-Golden. I mean, he was healthy. I didn't see him this game versus the Panthers. The only time I saw Antonio Gandy-Golden was when he broke up a pass from being intercepted. So, I mean, that being said, we need help at the skill positions. I still think we need another running back. I like Antonio Gibson. I like McKissick. But I believe that we can upgrade on Peyton Barber. We can upgrade and get get another back that can get the tough yards, that, you know, that has a little bit more wiggle, that can receive the ball as well, but like a bigger back, kind of like a, a Leonard Fournette, a Leonard Fournette type guy. He's big enough. He has good enough speed. And he can catch the ball well enough to where if we want to run or pass and we audible at the uh, line of scrimmage, you won't know if we're going to run or pass it. So these are some of the things that I'm looking forward to in the offseason. But also, Antonio Gandy-Golden, man, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it was the health. Maybe you know he wasn't healthy. Maybe not having a, a, a full offseason affected him. So I can't really too much knock him, but I would say that he almost has a lock. I think he's a lock. Him and Cam Sims are probably the – Cam Sims, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and Terry McLaurin. So those are three wide receivers. 
I see the team bringing in a whole new other three. I don't think that Cam Sims is a lot. If Cam Sims makes a team, he's making the team as a returner. And he can barely do that right now. You know, um, guys like Isaiah Wright, he's going to be in a bubble. Kelvin Harmon, he's going to have to come in and prove himself. You know, Ron Rivera's just not going to give you anything. He's not going to say, oh, just because you were, you know, you was hurt last year or just because uh, you wasn't around that the spot is yours. So it's going to be some competition. I'm telling you guys right now, it's going to be at least two or three new wide receivers on this on this group. you got to strengthen the group. Folks say develop your young guys. We've been developing. And when we're not developing, these young guys are not producing. So it's time to start winning. You can't waste a top five defense. I believe next year is the year to attack, go all in, and try to win the Super Bowl. I've been saying that this year is a year of growth. But luckily for us, guess what? We are in the thick of things. We win next week versus Philadelphia. We're in the playoffs. That's amazing. That's amazing. We do not expect to be in this position. And we're going to go out there and we're going to give it all we got. Whether it's Alex Smith playing, whether it's Tyler, uh, Tyler Heineke playing, doesn't matter. We're going to go out there and give it all we got. We're going to try our best to make the playoffs. But at the same time, come next year with the defense that you have right now, bringing guys like uh, Ronald Darby back would be key. You know, we got some uh, guys on the offensive line to sign next year. We got some decisions to make in the draft. So what I'm saying is we cannot continue to depend on these young guys and say, oh, develop, develop, develop. For how many years does, I mean, for how many years does the football team want to continue to develop players? There has to come a time that you say, hey, we want to win and we want to win now. And I believe that making the playoffs is going to attract free agency. It's going to attract free agents to come to the team next year. They're going to want to see, okay, it's a new team. This is a new system, a new front office. Can they change this culture? And that's why I believe if it was up to Ron Rivera, he would have cut Dwayne Haskins after that uh, strip club incident. He would have cut Dwayne Haskins. But for the fact that Alex Smith was not healthy, Tyler Heineke was very new to the team, uh, uh, um, the other um, – quarterback that's on the roster, I can't even think of his name right now. You know, he has, he, he has zero NFL experience, and from what I hear from the coaching staff, he's very raw. So what this is telling me is they used Dwayne Haskins for one game. There were fans that were saying, you play Dwayne Haskins for this one game, you give Alex Smith time to heal, and if Dwayne Haskins, whether he wins or not, you release him. Now, I do agree with Dwayne Haskins being released. I said that in the, in the, in the last pod. have no problems with that. But what I do have a problem with is people have the right to go where they want to go. He went to the strip club. Okay, cool. That's his problem. But when you don't wear your mask and you're endangering everybody else, that's where I have an issue. Also, you don't go to celebrate when you lose. So I'm kind of like half and half on that. But at the same time, I have zero problems with Dwayne Haskins being at a strip club. Zero. That's his, that was his prerogative. That's what he wanted to do. That's on him. But where I have a problem is not wearing the mask and exposing yourself and then putting your teammates at risk. What if Dwayne Haskins' girlfriend didn't take that picture? Or what if somebody didn't take that picture? That means that you have now gone and broke protocol, and then you wonder how players in the NFL are getting infected with COVID. Players are breaking protocol. Sometimes you can't help you know, who you run into or where you get this thing. But the thing is, if you can do the right things, wearing your mask, you know, limiting where you go, trying to be as safe as possible, this is a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Things are going to get better. Vaccine is coming, all that. But 
when you put your team at risk and then having a coach who's been at high risk, that's that. I think that's where I had that problem with Dwayne, and for the fact that Dwayne has done this two times in a row. So now you know he gets released, uh, but before then he gets benched. Tyler Heineke, when Tyler Heineke came in the game, he showed me some things. He was making very, very good passes. His passes were, you know, crisp. Like, like, like I've said before, um, this guy did his job. He did his job. And with limited uh, uh, weapons, I mean, we were in the thick of winning this game. We had penalties. We had two touchdowns called back. Um, man, we really had this game at hand. And what sucks is that we lost to the Carolina Panthers. Not only being the team that fired Ron Rivera when they played the Redskins. So, check this out. After they played the Redskins last year, the Redskins beat Carolina, Ron Rivera gets fired, right? Dwayne Haskins loses to Carolina, and then Dwayne Haskins gets fired. So, it seems like every time these two teams play, somebody gets fired. But, uh, real talk, this team has a lot of potential on the on the defensive side. I see a lot of promise on the defensive side. Uh, you know, Deron Payne had a sack. Uh, Chase Young had a sack. He had a strip sack, recovered the fumble, had another uh, play where he hit Teddy Bridgewater and he forced an interception. Uh, Cam Carl received that. Man, shout out to, De- uh, to uh, Deron Payne, Cole, Cole Holcomb, and uh, Cam Carl, and John Bostic. These four guys helped me win some money in my IDP Fantasy League, man. One thing about IDP fantasy is that it's, it's, it's tough when you're playing defensive players. I don't know a lot of defensive players, but guess what? I know Washington football defensive players. So I knew that when uh, Landon Collins got hurt and couldn't play anymore and Cam Carl became the starter, I just went on and picked him up. And he ended up becoming one of the better safeties in the NFL. I mean, when you look at a guy like Jeremy Chin, who they're saying can be potential defensive rookie of the year, even though we all know – Chase Young should win that award, rightfully so. But, you know, Cam Carl, when you look at the numbers, he's right up there on par with, with, with uh, Jeremy Chin. The only thing that Chin has on him is maybe a few tackles here and there and maybe one more touchdown than, uh, than, uh, than uh, Cam Carl. But at the same point, you got a guy that is being, you know, heralded by the league. They're, they're cheering him on. But then you got a guy like that, so underrated like Cam Carl, but he's not getting his respect. <sighs> Cam Carl is a beast. Uh, I like what he brings to the table. Uh, hopefully there's a way to incorporate him with Landon Collins when Collins comes back next year. Whether you like Collins, whether you don't like him, at the end of the day he has a big contract and he's most likely going to be on the team next year. Um, so man, we had a chance to win that game. It was unfortunate that we didn't win that game. Um, the refs were bad, but also the offense was bad. Defense was great. Offense was bad. It seems like the same story. Every single week, man. Heading into Philadelphia, we got to do things the right way. Jalen Hurts is pissed off. But at the same time, Chase Young is pissed off. Chase Young, um, he became a captain. And the funny thing is, I didn't even know that Chase Young became a captain until yesterday when I was on Twitter and his mom was, you know, on the phone with him and she was happy. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Chase became a captain and it just totally flew under the radar for me. I just did not see that coming. I didn't even know when he got that uh got that captain, but I mean Chase is the leader of the team. He's he's the leader of the team. He's the vocal leader of the team. Uh he gets the team pumped up before the games. Uh he brings that energy. He reminds me a lot of Ray Lewis. He has that Ray Lewis type quality in terms of producing on the field, producing off the field, well, Ray had that issue, but <laughs> that's besides the fact, but um, no, 
Chase is a really, really good guy, and um, he's very he 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 is very smart, and um, you know his family is a is a a big support. Is a I mean you 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 got to give them credit for that. You got to give them credit for that because it seems like you know coming from a very good background, his mom always wants the best for him. His mom gives him grades. When he does not produce, the mom gives him a C plus. When he produces, she gives him an A. So they motivate each other, and those are things that you want to see out of your players, camaraderie, family, hard work. And those are some of the things that Ron Rivera likes out of his players. He's building a culture here, and that's why Haskins is gone. You know, um, it just is what it is. Um, but, yeah, this next up-and-coming game is win, and we're in. I'm excited for that game. Uh, you know, we got to take away what the Eagles do best. And what the Eagles do best, ever since Jalen Hurts became the starter, the Eagles are hot right now. They produce on offense. They're scoring. And it's not a knock on Carson Wentz. It's more so that Jalen Hurts is able to make a terrible offensive line look good because he can extend plays with his legs. You know, so when you have these mobile quarterbacks, they fix a lot of the issues that the offensive line presents. You know, you look at Kyler Murray's offensive line. It's not the best, but Kyler Murray's good. If Kyler Murray does not play this week, look out for Kyler Murray's backup and tell me how he plays behind that, behind that trash offensive line. So, some of the keys for this uh, Philadelphia Eagles game, you know, you got to be able to contain Jalen Hurts. You got to hit him. You got to hit him often. You know, <laughs> he's gonna be able to run. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. He's he's gonna be able to run and get away from our pass rush from time to time. But there is opportunity to hit this guy. <laughs> We're gonna have an opportunity to hit this guy, and I'm. I know we struggle with mobile quarterbacks, but Jalen Hurts is one that I'm excited to play. I want to see how this defense um, plays versus a rookie that's a very good quarterback. I like what Jalen Hurts brings to the table. He's a very good quarterback. He's a decent passer. He's a better passer than what I thought. He's, I mean, you got, um, uh, what's his name, Deshaun Jackson back. He was able to throw a deep touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson. I think it was over 70 yards. So we have to bring our track shoes. Darby is probably going to be on Deshaun Jackson. If we can get to the Eagles and create constant pressure, right, and maybe sack uh, Jalen Hurts anywhere between five to six times, I like our chances. Their run game is predicated on Jalen Hurts. They're going to run some of that read option. It's going to be times where he handed off to Miles Sanders, pull it back, and take off. So we're going to have to contain them. In the pass game, I think we contain them in the pass game, but their tight ends, Dallas Godard and Ertz, that's going to be a problem. Miles Turner and Ertz are going to be a problem. Their wide receivers don't scare me as much. I think our secondary will do a pretty nice job. And if our pass rush is getting home on Jalen Hurts, then I'm so comfortable about this game. Um, now, on the opposite side, if Tyler Heineke plays, I am okay with our offense. I think he's going to do enough to put us in the position to win. If Alex Smith plays, I don't know about his mobility. Eagles still do have a decent pass rush. Whether some are missing or not, they still have decent pass rush. And our offensive line is not where 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 we want it to be. Sorry about that. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. So I say constant pressure. That's number one. Number two, try to contain the Eagles' run game. That's number two. And number three, I would probably say put points on the board or take care of the ball. So those are my keys to the game, man. This is the episode. 
guys, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, thanks for thanks for the support. As always, uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Back Row Redskins, and um, be sure to share this podcast with as many people as you can. If you're listening on Apple, please give me a review. Please give me a five star. Um, it really helps uh, to grow uh, this podcast. Once again, I appreciate you guys. You guys have a blessed.